Welcome to the Silver Caduceus Association podcast, where we take a break to explore how medical service corps officers shape the story of the Army. This is our story, and I'm your host, Dave Paramore. Let's get started. Well, hello everyone, Dave Paramore again uh, for the Silver Caduceus Association podcast. Um, I, look, we've got a, a real special treat today. Um, I'm joined uh, by Colonel Ryan Bailey, who is the commander of the U.S. Army Medical Material Activity. Did I get, did I get that right? It's actually summer. the U.S. Army Medical Material Agency. Agency. Forgive yeah. me. All right. I'm doing push-ups for everyone right now. Forgive me. That's all right. Um, yeah. So, but uh, the, the 70 kilo is in the house. Um for those of you who may remember, was it used to it used to be set sixty seven kilo? Was that back in the I day? I think back in the day. back in the day. So they changed it to seventy kilo. So it's now seventy kilo for the uh, uh, for for our, our our population out there that may have retired uh, before that AOC change. But um, listen, it's just great to have you, Ryan. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave, for having me. This is a pleasure to be able to speak today. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I think. Kind of set the context uh, for our listeners. Maybe you could give us a little uh, brief history of your career. What? How did you get to be the commander of, of USAMA? So uh, a little bit about your military background. So it's been a long journey. I've been in uh, now going on uh, 29 years. And uh, so I started, um, if you go all the way back to college, I received an ROTC scholarship. I went to at the time it was called North Georgia College. It's now the University of North Georgia and uh, it's a military college. Uh, and uh, I knew uh, you know, when I went there on that scholarship that I was gonna go in the army in some form or fashion. Now, for anybody who knows uh, North Georgia College, uh, it's in Dahlonega, Georgia, not too far from the Ranger camp in North Georgia. And if you're a uh, freshman or sophomore, you wanna be a Ranger. Uh, infantry, airborne ranger. That's uh, that's that's kind of the mentality. But uh, as I got closer to graduation and understanding what my options were to uh, branch in the army, I started doing research. Uh, you know, aviation, armor, infantry, and then somebody came and spoke on medical service corps in the army medical department, and uh, really talked about all the opportunities to contribute to the mission of the army at the same time, uh, building valuable skill sets that will last you no matter if you stay in uh, four years or 30 years. So um, when, I, when I heard that speech and, and the uh, opportunities that the Medical Service Corps presented, I put that as my number one pick. And uh, I was very lucky, blessed to be able to uh, be selected and, and uh, commissioned as a second lieutenant and, and went in the Medical Service Corps. And uh, from there, I went to OBC. And when I was in San Antonio, I thought, hey, this is a, a great place to uh, transition and, and become a part of the Army. And somebody came and talked to us in OBC about logistics and said, hey, uh, you know, we need, we need lieutenants to go in and be, uh, you know, medical logistics officers. And, uh, oh, by the way, you get to stay in San Antonio for another, <laughs> uh, you know, eight to 10 weeks. Uh, I can't remember exactly how long the course was back then, but uh, I said, well, that sounds great. So that's they how had, they sold it. They had to sold it. And you get to stay in San Antonio and, and uh, go visit the Riverwalk and, uh, for a few more months. And uh, 
I had a business background from college, so the, the supply chain logistics and everything that goes into sustaining the Army, uh, Army Medical Department uh, was appealing to me. So I went to, and did that. And over my career, I had done, you know, several, you know, different um, logistics jobs. I've worked overseas at our, uh, at USAMC, which is a theater lead agent for medical material for all of UCOM, AFRICOM, and CENTCOM. I've worked in the, at the division level, the core level, um, and then was able to transition also into acquisition. So I've done a, uh, from the time I was a major, really a dual career path in medical acquisition and medical logistics and had the opportunity to compete for an 05, uh, you know, we'll call it command, but was really a, uh, being a uh, a project manager at the, at the time they called a product manager. Essentially, you're a lieutenant colonel and you're running uh, major projects. Uh, in my case, it was uh, uh, building and delivering uh, new uh, Kim biodefense systems. Oh, uh, wow. So I had the opportunity to um, manage the, the CALS program, the Common Analytical Laboratory System of the Future. These are mobile labs that deploy with the Army and the National Guard Civil Support Teams and uh, help build the next generation of those. Now, also a quick, it... quick question. Sure. Is, is, uh, is this where you would have received the Order of the Dragon? I, did. I, was, a little, I was a little confused by it. So what, what's that? Uh, so uh, in the AMED, we have the Order of Military Medical Merit. In the Chemical Corps, they have the Order of the Dragon, which is an honorary award based oh, okay. on contributions to the Chemical Corps. Oh, right. So okay. never thought I would be uh, receiving the Order of the Dragon, but uh, now when when you were in your uh, uh, dress uniform, you wear two medallions. Then is it is like is it like that? If you really want to get a over the top, you can wear the two. <laughs> I think it depends on what color the is the. Uh, <laughs> what's that look like? The Order of the Dragon. It's uh, similar to the Owen oh, uh, Order of Military Medical Merit, but it's got a blue and. and Gold. It doesn't clash though. Like you could, you could wear them both. You could wear them both, and then okay. look like a uh, South American general with all the different. But see, <laughs> when you're retired, you can actually, uh, you know, eventually uh, you know, impress impress everyone at all the, the formals of the future by wearing both. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, cool. So you, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. So you were, uh, uh, you know, working uh, to support the, the chemical. Uh, organizations, but then, yeah, that was something totally out of, um, you know, my normal comfort zone, but, uh, you know, the skill sets you pick up in, in, in doing what we do and, and, you know, managing teams, solving complex problems, translate really to any commodity. So whether it's delivering, you know, critical vaccines and medical supplies and equipment or delivering Kimbo defense systems and force protection systems, I really got to do a, a unique, um, you know, uh, depth and breadth of systems in that job. And, and, uh, you know, it was just a phenomenal experience for me and, uh, was really out of my comfort zone because nobody I worked with was in, uh, or were my peers that I grew up with. I was working with, um, non-medical project managers, non-medical logisticians. And, uh, it, it was really great to see things from their perspective and, and uh, be able to, to deliver on that project. So cool. So fast forward, uh, you're now the USAMA commander. Um, and 
I mean, so throughout your career, it's it's uh, exciting. You're in many places worldwide, deployed. But lo and behold, you find yourself taking command during a pandemic. What's that like? Well, it was really unique from the get-go from uh, nobody in the audience that you're changing command, <laughs> right. uh, except uh, the handful of people involved in passing the guide on and wearing a mask uh, while you do it. So the pictures are going to be something to look back on as you can't see our faces. Uh, but uh, uh, the, it, it was uh, unique from the get-go from the standpoint is Seven, about 75% of our workforce was teleworking. Wow. Uh, unless they were hands-on in one of our medical maintenance depots where they had to actually be in repairing equipment. And then dealing with all the COVID protocols. If anybody was exposed, that was immediate, uh, you know, report up the chain to identify, you know, the exposure and or the positive case of COVID, the isolation wow. and anybody they were in contact with. So we had, you know, cases where, you know, part of our workforce was, you know, quarantined and we had to mitigate, you know, with, uh, you know, bringing more people in uh, and cross leveling and or um, overtime or other ways to kind of mitigate those uh, personnel being out. Um, additionally, you know, you're, everything is more complex and, and, and time consuming. So many of our personnel are OCONUS in, in Europe, uh, in Japan and Korea travel to those locations for people either PCSing or, you know, new recruits, uh, coming into the organization, trying to get them all the clearances and, you know, everything just took longer, uh, more hurdles to jump over and uh, expectations to meet to, to make sure everybody stayed protected. Um, but we had to get people there to do the mission. Um, in the middle of uh, last year, we actually had to move our pre-positioned stocks uh, in, the, in, in the CENTCOM AOR from Qatar to Kuwait. And we did that in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. So all um, the supplies, all the supplies, logistics, and everything had to come back be moved and we did it with a really a handful of people working very hard to be wow. able to accomplish that. And uh, it, it's just those stories that uh, impact uh, you as understanding the complexity and kind of the, the um, all the moving pieces that have to come together to make that happen. And uh, I mean, really, that's, yeah, the workforce is what, you know, made it happen. Those, the, the, the people that care about the mission and, and doing the right thing and yeah. taking care of each other. I mean, that's uh, it just it, no, on the outside looking in now, it just seems amazingly extraordinary <laughs> that we're able to pull that off. I mean, we see in the news about things like uh, vaccines and um, the military's involved in vaccine distribution. Um, I, I guess I have a two-part question, um, and I'm not even sure how they tie together, but I'll, I'll ask them and you can kind of pick up the pieces as they go. But um, so for, for laymen like me now that are out in industry, um, there's been a shift in transformation of uh, medical logistics as, as an area of concentration. So you guys um, are, are, have had some transformation, so I'll, I'll let you describe that. And then um, going back to the pandemic, how has this transformation then, how did this, maybe not affect, but how did, how did this influence the way that you delivered vaccines or were involved in vaccine distribution? Does that make sense? 
Sure, I can talk about, uh, so USAMA is uh, heavily involved, uh, a critical component of the COVID-19 vaccine distribution for the Department of Defense for wow. all services. And this has uh, grown out of a uh, capability that goes back to when uh, they started the anthrax distribution oh, anthrax okay. vaccine. And it was just a conduit, uh, somebody to really shepherd and manage uh, the prioritization, the ordering, the delivery, and, and tracking all that and making sure cold chain integrity was maintained. So the USAMA DACA was, has been involved with COVID-19 uh, distribution, working with the Defense Health Agency and all the services. Uh, first, in the beginning, uh, just on uh, the allocation process from uh, you know, the United States government, how much vaccine was the Department of Defense going to get, how is that going to be broken out by each service, and how we're going to get that delivered to all parts of the globe. So each different type of vaccine has different storage and handling requirements. So that all had to go into the consideration of planning to make sure um, that it could be delivered safely and effectively, you know, wherever, you know, we may have uh, service members. So um, we eventually, uh, the DOD built up enough supply that we could move into a poll system where services could order, plan their orders for the coming weeks, and those can be programmed in. And then we uh, would send orders to the manufacturers, and those would be direct delivered to our medical treatment facilities or um, our you know, camps, posts, and stations, wherever they might be across the globe. So it's been a team effort. Uh, we're just one uh, key piece of that, but we work uh, with the Defense Logistics Agency, the Defense Health Agency, all the services, uh, and also the, uh, the team that was stood up, um, Operation Warp Speed, uh, at the time in the beginning, and now they've changed the name, but they're really the uh, entity that works with the government to kind of synchronize gotcha. the national response gotcha. uh, to COVID vaccine uh, distribution. So when when guys like me were growing up, um, the, the Medical Service Corps had its own functional area of medical logistics, so it reported up the chain to the medical command and control. I know this very personally because I was in Army Aviation or Medical Service Corps Aviation and we reported up the medical chain and there was a transformation in the early to mid 2000s of a transformation of uh, AMED Aviation into the aviation branch uh, and the formations then reported to aviation branch units. Um, can you talk a little bit about the transformation of medical logistics that's happened really recently? Sure. So. Um... There are some similarities to aviation and the fact that, uh, you know, our, our Army transformation happened, uh, you know, going back 2018, uh, 2019 timeframe, uh, where, you know, you've got uh, the Army Medical Department, the MedCom now uh, transitioning me medical treatment facilities under the Defense Health Agency. Uh, additionally, on the Army operational medical logistics side, you had uh, the movement of medical research in material command at the time moved under Army Material Command, and then they moved under uh, Army Futures Command. The medical logistics component of the component of that um, really uh, stayed under Army, um, uh, you know, um, 
AMC Army Material Command. Army Material Command. I don't know how you keep up with the acronyms. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I knew it. It's inconsequential. Army Material <laughs> Command. So uh, they stood up the Army Medical Logistics Command as a, mm -hmm. uh, as a, a command that would oversee uh, strategic Army Medical Logistics. So that entails... Uh, USAMA, the U.S. Army Medical Material Agency, uh, USAFSI, uh, which is in Europe, um, mm -hmm. is theater lead agent for medical material in Europe, and then USAFSI K, which is in Korea, mm -hmm. uh, that does the medical logistics support for the uh, peninsula and, and the PACOM AOR. So we are now uh, up under uh, Army Material Command, um, and uh, and and. However, you still have all the medical treatment facilities that, that run and, and logisticians have to help, uh, you know, provide medical logistics support to our MTF. So we have still have 70 kilos across the formation from, you know, uh, you know brigade, division, uh, corps, and all the way up to, you know, to Army Material Command. Um, we have medical logisticians. We still have them in our MTFs. Mm -hmm. Um, the army though is, is really focused on delivering capability to the warfighter and right. really being able to, to look at our, um, near peer and, and our adversaries and figure out how we're going to fight, uh, in large scale combat operations. And, and, um, we need to figure out, from, you know, from the sustainment side, how we're going to supply that fight right. in the future. So that, that mission is never going away. Um, and we'll see what you know, what the future holds for our career paths, but uh, the job has to be done no right. matter what uh, is you're going to wear on your shoulder. I think there's a, a key um, intricate, you know, for, you know, taking care of, uh, you know, soldiers on the battlefield, you've got to deliver healthcare. And part of that is logistics. You can't, you know, pull those apart. Uh, you can't pull that capability apart. So, um, we'll have to figure out a way to keep those synergies there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. I, um, I, you know, I'm thinking, and I think you touched on it, um, the job has to be done. Um, so it's probably too early to predict how, how that gets done. But um, any thoughts for our viewers as to kind of what the, what the future may hold? Uh, you know, obviously not a crystal ball, but like what does – what are what are some thoughts about the kind of the future of medical logistics and uh, within the medical service corps and, and that type of thing? Well, I think on the operational side of the army, we are be becoming more integrated in how we deliver that capability with our uh, non medical logistics partners and mm -hmm. units. So we have to be able to move, you know, bullets, you know, food. Uh, repair parts and medical supplies, and we have to be integrated in how we do that. At the same time, we cannot lose our connection and our uh, integration with uh, Army medicine, right? right. So that is all about saving soldiers' lives, and we have to be able to do that in a way that the uh, that that uh, is is also you know integrated with the Army health system. So. It's, uh, it, it's going to be, a, um, I think, a balancing act uh, to figure out what the right uh, strategy is there. But uh, in large-scale combat operations, uh, I don't think we can afford to be um, 
let's say, uh, you know, uh, use the term stovepiped, uh, we have to become more integrated in the Army processes and, and the Army sustainment community. But at the same time, we've got to be able to, you know, stay uh, connected to our health, the healthcare piece of it. it it's, it's, it, that's the bread and butter of what we do. And if we're not saving soldiers' lives and we're not doing our mission. Right. So. No, that's, that's, that's really, thanks for that feedback. Um, I, uh, you know, just as we, as we close out, this has been a fascinating discussion, but I'm sure our, our folks may want to hear, um, you kind of, you know, you've been in command a year now, right? And so all during the pandemic, um, what are, maybe if you could just kind of draw a picture as to, you know, where you envision USAMA going over the next year that you have in command and, um, you know, maybe, you know, what are some, um, uh, industry partnerships, or how how do you how do you describe success within USAMA? Both not only your priorities, but you know, as you mentioned, all the agencies that you connect with. But you know, what are what are the priorities for the next year? And you know, does that involve industry and that type of thing? Right. So from the get go, uh, my priorities have been people first, right? And and that sounds you've heard it a million times, but if you don't take care of your people. Uh, your mission is not going to get done. So we've focused on in, in recruiting the right talent, taking care of the people that we do have, making sure they have opportunities to develop and better themselves and uh, recognize those people who contribute to the organizational mission, you know, day after day. Um, we're also trying to, you know, you know, the focus has been on mission, right? Uh, providing COVID vaccine, repairing medical equipment, um, uh, providing uh, pandemic PPE supplies, medical PPE. We've got a stockpile of medical PPE that we've been providing to the Army, um, test kits, all that stuff we've been heavily involved with. So when you're executing mission uh, 24-7, trying to take care of people, you know, so this past year, that's about all, you know, we can bite off and chew. But uh, as we've stabilized in our, you know, pandemic response, uh, now we're focused on, you know, how do we deliver capability more effectively and efficiently? How do we leverage data uh, to make better business decisions, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're working smarter uh, with the data that's out there? How do we take uh disaggregated data and pull it together to paint a picture of what we're doing uh, right and what we're doing wrong. Right. So um, that's, that's an area of focus that that we're in. Uh, We're also really focused on uh, as we procure new medical systems for the army, how do we uh, think about sustainment from the beginning? How are you going to sustain that piece of equipment, make sure all the repair parts are on contract from the beginning, um, procure those in an efficient way, you know, not with government purchase cards, which are intensely manual, but how do you get that on an e-commerce solution oh, where wow. we can order repair parts uh, quickly and efficiently, really from the, from far forward, you know, from the brigade level all the way back to oh, wow. the strategic uh, support area. So those are areas that are tons of room for improvement. Um, you know, for many years we were focused on getting medical capability out there to the warfighter and saving lives, right? During OIF, OEF. Now we're trying to think about how do we procure the right systems that are sustainable, uh, that, that they can be stained far forward on the battlefield 
and uh, and we can do that more effectively, more wow. efficiently. So, tons to do. There, there's a it's a it's a big job, but it's a pleasure to be able to, and an honor to be able to lead those efforts. That's amazing. Well, folks, I, uh, it's it's been an honor for us to to have Ryan here today. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming. No, I appreciate any time. Anytime you want me down here in St. Augustine, I'll, I'll make the trip. So it, it, you're welcome anytime. And uh, it's, it's about the time of year we can taunt the folks uh, who live in the north uh, with our great weather. But um, it's been great having you. And I'm sure the folks uh, will enjoy uh, what you've had to share with us today. So uh, with that, folks, uh, once again, you can always uh, reach us on this podcast. Um, SilverCaducasAssociation.org is our website, so make sure you check that out. Uh, we just had our reunion, so there'll be some, uh, I'm sure, some great uh, memories that will be shared on the website there. And of course, uh, you've already found our podcast, but uh, share it with your friends. You can find it on the channel that you chose, either on Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. Um, and uh, we'll uh, continue to develop our season two content as, uh, as we look forward to this next year. So thanks everyone. Have a great day and uh, talk to you soon. For more information or to listen to other episodes, please visit silvercaducesassociation.org.